0: hello and welcome back to Unleash Your peace. my name is Ellie Shoja I am your host I'm a positive mindset coach, a personal transformation expert, a deliberate creator and I am your peace trainer and Unleash your peace is your peace training. it is the podcast where every single week we dive into a different topic about the internal world and we do that for one purpose to get you looking inward. Because when we go inward, that's when we discover our peace, our creativity, our inspiration. We discover the source of our joy and happiness. And when we live from that place of joy, peace, and connectedness to that infinite beingness of us, the non-physical part of us, we don't just incrementally improve the quality of our lives. We exponentially innovate every aspect of our experiences on this physical plane. We become whole. We become powerful creators that we have come here to be. And we become uplifters in our families, in our society. And that's the point of being here. We're here with a really special episode today. I have Niluna Naderi, who has joined the unleash your peace that's right this (laughs) podcast over here and today together we have our first ever guest so you get to not just listen to us blab about the internal world for a change. You get to listen to somebody else, somebody who's actually incorporating the stuff that we talk about here on this podcast into her own career. And who I have here is a filmmaker, uh, international filmmaker from Ireland and she's been living in Berlin for the last 10 years uh, doing some really exciting stuff. can't wait to dive into it. I have Nora Denine. And Nora, will you tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you're doing right now?
1: Of course and thank you for having me on the show and it's just really exciting to hear you talk about what you're talking about because you're putting in words what I've been practicing. So it definitely feels connected and inspired, like in terms of us doing this together. Um, So I basically, I come from Ireland, I'm a fine artist. I come from a painting background and I knew from painting that practice where it was just me and a canvas that um, I would have a plan in my head and almost like also this need to be seen and heard. And yet when I went to paint, something completely different would come out. And over time, and I've been practicing for over 10 years in painting, um, I studied in London, um, what I started to come to see was there was this kind of inner seeing that would come about that would bring me into a place of awe, you know, and and gratitude and hope. Mm And that, you know, at the time in my life, um, my father got sick and he died when I was 18. And I, was very, I grew up in a very close family. And, and it left me feeling like, how do I want to proceed in the world? I didn't know um, how to have a sense of connection where I could deal with things like death and loss. Mm-hmm. And when I started to paint, it was the first process. It was a spiritual practice for me. Um, and I started to connect with that inner inner child or that inner part of me. And um, and then from painting, I went to art school in London and I was told I was a performer. I'd acted when I was younger. Um, and then I found this connection to European history. I was in Paris for a year. I started painting and drawing there. And then I moved to Berlin, which is a hotspot for artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and within Berlin, I knew it, in many ways, rationally speaking, it made no sense, but I knew there was a spaciousness there that allowed me to experiment, uh, free from economic pressures to earn a living, um, to be anything, to succeed. It was like kind of like being in a bubble. And it's a bit like Eckhart Tolle when he went and he lived on a park bench in in Vancouver, yeah. yeah. He just was like, you know, anybody else would have said you're absolutely insane. But there was this inner guide and a, a friend, a gallerist in London said to me, you know, you know what to do. She said, you're yeah. an artist, trust yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, when I was in Berlin, I was painting and then I reached a point where I feel for me performance and filmmaking is, it's so real because you're, you've are you got a camera and you can actually, you're responsible for what you show of the world. Yeah. And so for me to be in a position where I could actually be in front of the camera and also behind the camera um i really had to know who i was and to have some sort of self-respect that i could look in the mirror and go i feel okay with myself you know and so i had to do a lot of work a lot of um healing internally Um, which art drove me to, because I saw the history of artists who were struggling in addiction, all this kind of uh, very dark, um, ego, fame driven, being special, you know, being a part and, you know, like a bit like James Dean, kind of that rebel without a cause. And I knew breaking the rules and seeing things outside the box was actually a positive thing. But I knew that The most, you know, you come to the end of your life, you want to know that you've contributed. And what I saw was the people who contributed the most were people like my brother. He was a very silent person, yet he's incredibly successful. He Mm. shows up for his children. He's incredibly loving. He's not this prototype of a male. He's not insecure. He and yet he's a leader you know he's a partner in his consultancy firm and so I saw this kind of behavior and I knew that I wanted to make my life a piece of art too Mm -hmm. so it kind of came together when I returned home to Ireland two years ago and I knew I'd written a script I was in LA three years ago and I starred in a film and I won two awards for it and um, it was I loved the director at the time his name is Vladimir Petrov he's a I think he's very inspired and creative director. Um, But what I realized when I did the film was there was a calling within myself to write my own story. Mm. And I had written a script, but I was terrified to approach it um, because it was dealing with female sexuality. It was dealing with uh, an inner world. And, And actually what it was dealing with was me letting go of that older child self and me coming to being in the gratitude for being in the present moment. And to trust that process, and I was terrified as an artist to go there because I was like, they're going to see me as a hippie, they're going to see me mm-hmm. as someone who's not credible, uh, because I need to have a big, long concept, you know, or yeah. some sort of intellectual backing, rather than, you know, what you see in a child, which is their present, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and and that was an old idea within myself because it's not true at all. Some of the best artists are incredibly simple, yeah. you know. Um, and, and you feel it you feel the energy of a piece of art there's a mysticism there's a mystery yeah. and we all connect to it yeah. like art is is not um, it's like either the emperor's new clothes or else it's something that literally gives you goose pimples you yes. know yeah. and and there's a, a and it's not it goes across countries you know what I mean there's that it's that spiritual aspect yeah. and um, and I mean what brings us alive is the spirit I can feel it right now I have goose pimples all over yeah me, me too you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's connection, you know? Um, so just, I'm rambling on, but I went back to Ireland two years ago and I started to make my own film. And I had gone to art school, I'd done experimental films, and I just decided I'm just gonna start making it. And, yeah. and circumstances conspired, yeah. and, and I started to shoot the first six scenes. I wrote a script, I started to shoot them myself. And what happened was I kept it very simple and I had a sense, like I practice, like I pray, I meditate, I have very strong spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I have this practice of less is more. You know, I read the uh, book of the Tao or the yes. Tao Te Ching. And that book is amazing because it's so contradictory. It's to be in the middle way. And so I was reading this book and then I just I had a friend who just kept pushing me. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, just put an ad up. Get get a DP. Yeah. Um, Just do it. You know. Yes. And I found this DP who was Japanese Irish. Who had that kind of outsider perspective. She yeah. wasn't fully Irish. She grown up in Ireland, but she had that other perspective. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to work with people who were working between countries who have this yeah. perspective of family and different cultures.
0: Yeah, we call it uh, we call it range. Yes. They have a greater range. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah
1: because of what I wanted to do, like I was in the Irish youth orchestra when I was younger. And from that experience, it's like, I could see that you can have one person singing a song or you can have all these people working together, mm-hmm. which creates such vibrancy and tone. And um, But I, I really prayed my whole way through the project. like, And I just kept going, I surrender, like whatever you want me to do with this. Cause I don't know how to make a film, yeah. you know, from what it seems you need a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. You need a lot of people. Um, maybe Big names deg-
2: attached. Yeah,
1: you need degrees. Yeah. Um, and I was there and I just felt like I was being guided constantly by people to saying to do your own work. And independent filmmakers are independent because they make their film
0: regardless of any other outside resources. Yeah. We talk a lot about this uh, dichotomy, right? A lot of times we feel like we have to do something. You have to do X, Y, and Z. There's this specific way you have to go about getting things accomplished, right? What you have done is so incredibly amazing. You tapped into inspiration mm-hmm. and inspired action.
2: And on top of that, I mean, from what it sounds like, you, you were giving us kind of the story of how it all came together. Mm-hmm. You infused that inspired action into the actual project. Mm-hmm. So then everyone else who's involved, who, who stuck it out with you, was also living from that space. Exactly, Which yeah. Which is pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Like there was no there was no roles on set. Mm-hmm. It essentially was about responsibility of behavior. Like mm-hmm. it was unreal. Like because what I noticed even between the whole thing of the crew versus the actors and all of this stuff and actually they were all allowed to be themselves. And that's what I wanted because I wanted the camera person to feel so at ease, it was like that she was just, there was no pressure on her or anything so that she'd be in the flow. And I wanted the sound person to feel heard because often they're dismissed as being not as important as the camera person. And I was like, constantly we were in conversations about the art. It was for the love of art, you know? Um, and then the actors also, I would say to them, I would give them the script. I would say, How was it for you? Yeah, I don't really relate. What would you say this? Okay, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly going, okay, so this is a starting point. The Mm. script is a starting point, but what's your real life experience? This process itself, like of making that film, and then I screened it in the Cork Film Festival Mm. in November, the whole thing literally was guidance. Even the fact that I screened it in the place where I came from and my mom came to the film festival, it felt so in alignment with my values of where I want to go. Mm-hmm. that I wanted to come back to a place of my feeling with art or anything is it's community based, it's conversations, it's it's inclusive, it's it's a connection. It's a very humble thing. And um And the light comes from that place. I I don't know how to describe it other than that, because I think fantasy is all about striving. And that's why people are super successful and yet they're miserable. You know, we talk about
2: that a lot, too. yeah, Yeah,
1: because they're in fantasy. They're not in the present moment. And they're not in, you know, if you look at any of the spiritual, like, If you look at Gandhi, you know, he went to the cotton fields or whatever, and he was there learning what people were doing. He went back to where he came from because he was so badly treated on that train by white people, you know, and he went back to where he came from because he had an ability to see this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. This behavior, it doesn't feel right to me, you know, and that was my experience as an actor was that, you know, in acting school, I... I definitely felt unseen and unheard unless I was wearing practically no clothes. Mm. Then I felt seen and heard, but for all the wrong reasons. And I felt like most of me wasn't even visible. And so I hit a bottom about, was it two or three years ago when I realized that, you know, the way they say in the spiritual world, negative things happen because they force you to make changes. And I felt that that forced me and I kept hearing the guidance of do your own work. You can do it. And, you know, Francis Ford Coppola said it. There was a quote something like, he said, I envision in the future an eight year old f- woman. He didn't say a boy, he no. said a girl filming, and with technology, she'll be able to make her own films.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and here we are, <laughs> you know? And here we are, exactly. And it,
1: it stands to me like that, that really is, you know, and the other thing, too, let's say women or any sort of the what's going on now as well in terms of the whole um, discussion around like black rights and everything. And, and Ava DuVernay has talked about it. She said something along the lines of like that, you know, we have to take the, the reins up ourselves and not through the same system that's created a system of separation, but going back to who are we? What are our values? What, are, you know, like I look at Irish culture and I'm like, where do we come from? Because there's so, much, there's so much history of violence, colonization, of materialism. Um, you know, if I just have more, I'll be okay, I'll be safe. Mm-hmm. And we are in a, a crisis. Well, I mean, you know, the crisis never goes or it's there, it's not there, depending on your spiritual mm-hmm. way of seeing, right? But, but that was something that I was always very aware of in my art practice was the history and the violence and learning what can I do to change things in today and when I started to make this film I knew that I wanted to create a space where I wanted to be there Mm
2: -hmm. so Nora when you mentioned that you know you have a deep spiritual practice Mm -hmm. and while you were shooting this film and I know Mm -hmm. you're still shooting it Mm -hmm. um so did you like have like a routine in the morning to get into that space and then Mm -hmm. did you also have the crew and the cast and talent also Mm -hmm. go through that process I don't. I don't put
1: anything on the people I work with. Um, i found over time that I am attracted to people who are have some sort of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Actors, especially, because they have such a greater range, because they know the dark and they know the light. Yeah, that's right. And they're very honest. And they can drop the mask and and I want to see that so that other people can feel that they can start to awaken. Because awaken, right, is you come alive and you can be yourself. So most of the people I work with now have a spiritual practice and I didn't plan that. It's just, it's very, you you see it in people's eyes. And more and more what I realized is I couldn't work with the other people because of the drama that they would create because there was so much ego involved or, you know, people set up all these patterns of creating drama so that they're not a part of a group because they don't think they're worthy and they don't believe in love. And if you're in a situation where you don't create a hierarchy, that can be incredibly uncomfortable for people. And the stuff they haven't dealt with, you know, any sort of spirituality is you look within yourself so that then you're more able to be in the world because you know yourself, you know your stuff, right? Whereas a lot of people, if they haven't dealt with their stuff and suddenly they're in an environment where, you know, no one's reacting to them, it can be very scary for them.
2: Yeah, because then they start questioning like, well, who am I?
1: (laughs) So there is a kind of a process really of elimination where it's a kind of a sacred space and people either it's like they're like, what's that? I'm not interested or I'm not ready or they're like, oh, I'm so grateful because... I, Finally, this, I yeah. can
0: be, this is I, I can just be without any drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and I don't have to have my secret self because a lot of people have a spiritual practice that's private, you know? Yeah. And then they come in then they go, well, there's the work world and then there's my private way of like dealing with the work world. And and that was something, a vision too I had was that I would create a production company whereby there would be childcare and everything within, within the company mm-hmm. um, so that when people could come to work, they're all their kids are always... Taken care of. Yeah, there's not this separation. There's not this overwhelming trying to juggle a million different things. Right. And walls. it's not
2: kind of looming on them and like blocking their creativity.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that it's it's family orientated, you know. And in terms of my own spiritual practice, like I meditate like twice a day. I do TM. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been doing that for like seven years. My dad used to do it. And that definitely changed changed my life in terms of um, having that awareness in terms of how obsessive my thinking could be mm-hmm. and that also is a change changed my decision making process in terms of um, you know so I could have you know an ego idea of why to do a project or who to work with you know people have approached me since I've come to LA producers and, and I would get a sense of like no they don't they're not really in it for the right reasons mm-hmm. and, and it was a hard decision to make Um, because then I was like, God, I'm going to have to trust that this is going to work out, that I can do this, you know? And, um, but I knew it was the right thing to do and the right people have come along, you know? So it's really a process of, like, the film is called Trust, but it, honestly, the whole process has been akin to that. Like, it's, it's really lived experience what I'm, you know? Um, and then in terms of other spiritual practices, like, I... I do go to a Buddhist center and I do like sitting and walking meditation. I like Mm -hmm. to be in groups because it helps me to know that there's other people who just come there because they just want to calm their mind. And then I pray. Um, I've just read I mean, I read loads of different spiritual texts Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, getting into that way of seeing things in a different way um and i listen to people on youtube and stuff like this if i if i want to you know get into another headspace and you know the prayer is probably the most important thing Mm -hmm. i do and meditation if i don't meditate i feel it but again when i do meditate my ego doesn't like it because
0: (laughs) that's right you know i slow down Mm -hmm. well you're like diminishing it (laughs) Yeah, and your ego really does fight anything that uh, is for your benefit, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's going to the gym or sitting for meditation. So a lot of times peace, you know, this idea of inner peace, you know, is portrayed as uh, almost like a passive state of being. And when we think a lot about peace, the way it's like talked about, it's almost this, okay, turning the other cheek kind of a thing. Right. But what you're kind of touching on, which is why we started you know, Peace Unleashed, why we talk about peace, why I started this podcast in the first place, is that peace essentially is power. You cannot have power over yourself, over your life, over uh, your decisions, over your mind, you know, over your thoughts, if you don't know how to attain internal peace. Being in that place of peace is being in a place of equilibrium. What you've done, Nora, which is really amazing, is you have taken this concept of having personal peace in an industry that is extremely difficult, right? Production days start at 12 hours. And when you are on production, they go 16 hours it's not unusual. I have a media company and I am a producer so I understand how difficult it is to implement this kind of a system in production. Mm-hmm. You know, especially movie production where any producer will tell you every day you are losing money, Mm -hmm. right? You're bleeding money. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean you don't have a, you know, minute by minute, you know, breakdown of every Mm -hmm. shot and what you need lighted and what Mm -hmm. you need doing? You know, what do you mean you're asking the sound person? You know, what did you think of that take? You know, what do you mean you're consulting the actor? Like the actors are just there to, you know, perform whatever your vision is, right? So it's very unusual what you're doing. And I'm very, very curious. And I think, people out there are curious. Yeah, you have this happy go lucky way of doing filmmaking. I'm not my words, but I think people are going to be thinking this. But what was the outcome? Right? What is what results are you seeing? And this goes back, where to, did you land? Yeah, yeah. Where, where are you landing? What's the result of working in this completely inspired way? And not only you being inspired, but inspiring others to be inspired as they're working. Mm-hmm.
1: Firstly, I did screen it. I was happy with that. And I'm I'm trying to figure out the distribution. I've been trying to find a producer who's essentially similar to me where it's like I don't know, let's see what happens. We're in synchronicity and it's like let's wait. Let's see what happens. The total antithesis of the film industry exactly, which is like yeah. you should behave in this way and if you don't do us you're a loser, you know? Right. It's all complete, completely controlling and a lot of it's shame-based, right?
0: And micromanagerial.
1: Totally. And and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I believe that there is, and there are people looking at this, business models that are spiritually based. Yeah. And I'm looking for a woman who essentially is like, is takes care of herself, you know, who's true to herself and is like, screw this. I'm going to do what feels good for me. I don't want to be stressed out and hate my work and who gets, who, who relates to it. Like, honestly, I think the people who work with me, it's like, for me, the actors, like, like I was at one of the actors show yesterday. They, they're part of this group, this theater group. And she's just like, I love working with you. Like I'm addicted to it. Like the actress in Berlin was addict. She was pregnant. She was carrying the baby over the course of the film. And, and I said, I have a producer in Ireland, um, uh, David Collins, he's of Samson. He did um, once it won an Oscar. I don't know if you know that film. It's I love that film, yeah. yeah. And and basically, she. when I was talking to him about this film that I was doing, I think sometimes he laughs at me, but anyway, <laughs> he said to me, She must really trust you. Yeah. If she's pregnant and you're filming her over the course yeah. of her pregnancy, you know, and she's working for free. Like, because yeah. with this film, the first film I shot in Ireland, I had money to pay. Um, you know, it was very small, but I paid people. Right. Yeah. Um, and they were willing to because what I realized is I think with the DP, she wasn't getting much work. Mm-hmm. She's incredibly talented. She went to the main film school. I don't know if it's because she's a woman or because she's quiet. Yeah. She doesn't have that. But that's exactly why I wanted to hire her, mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't want drama. Yeah. And the thing was, is when I screened the film, like anyone who's, I, I've shown it to people I really respect, are like, there's something to it. They all say the same word. They all say it's beautiful. Yeah. And I realized before I would have thought beauty was just like superficial. And now I realize it's not. Beauty is an intelligence. It's in, it you know, and this is the thing. There's that, so much
2: depth to it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's, it's really weird. You know, this thing of femininity, because we're at some sort of crisis right around women. And, and I actually believe that, That, you know, the yin and the yang. I believe there is a spiritual way of we relate to each other. And I think we've become so in our heads and out of our bodies, we've lost all of our sense of sexuality and communication and poetry. Well, we've. we've
2: swung the pendulum completely the opposite way. We're militant. Right? We, we don't have that, what you were saying about Taoism and earlier, that that equilibrium, that middle yeah. ground, we, we've lost that.
1: I mean, even the film production sets, they're based on the military. Mm-hmm. And that's great, like if people like working that way, like I'm totally, like as an actor, you know, when I move back here in June, I will be auditioning and I'm someone, I, I have a spiritual practice. So I wanna be a part of people's vision. I wanna work as an actor. Mm-hmm. But but in terms of me making films and when I have fun, it's that it's like kids playing yeah. the guy or the woman is holding the camera. And the other thing, too, that's interesting is like anybody who comes in with like the Me Too stuff, it doesn't work mm-hmm. because from a point of view, it's like you have to deal with your sex stuff. You know what I mean? initially you're bringing sex into the workplace because it's a way of you again it's ego Mm -hmm. like the way i see it is it's really just about we have all these coping mechanisms and we have shame around it because we're kind of misguided let's say with the instinct of sex or we're misguided with the instinct of what it means to be a woman too we can abuse that as an actor i've seen it many times where actresses just play the role they The push up their boobs, whatever they have to do to get the part. And then they feel humiliated and they're also angry. There's a subtle anger underneath that all the time. Personal
2: anger for even putting themselves in that situation. Exactly.
1: And then they go, I don't have any choices. And when I wrote this script in in Berlin, that was the first script I wrote when I went back to acting school. It was because of the rage I felt when I was in this class. And I realized that I couldn't fully show up as an actor because... The roles I was given, I loved the writing, but I was like, I'm not in it. I'm like a little accessory. And I wrote this script, it's called Frigid, right? It's the most taboo word you could possibly use for a film. But like I decided it came from that artist in me that was like, I want to take a word that has a lot of taboo and break it down and look at what this is. Mm -hmm. And what it came to was I decided the word Frigid so described this sense of hypersexuality that we see now in film and violence, where it's like, it's almost like we're so sexual, but we've lost any sense of pleasure and we've lost any sense of actual connection. Yeah, involved. and sensuality, yeah. And, yeah. It's simply about power. Like it's simply about humiliation and shame and like, you know, how violent can you get? And, um, you know, that's when I realized like sexuality as an artist, sexuality and creativity is so linked up. It's again, spiritual. It's the spirit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, your spirit is either alive and awake yeah. and you feel nurtured and you feel connected and you feel at one with another person. And that's intimacy because you're listening to each other. You're present with a child or with an adult. Like you can't harm a, up another person if you're listening to them. You know, and and with the whole me too thing, I, I literally just feel it's just I'm not listening to you. I'm just looking at you and you're in a fantasy of mine. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from a place of I'm really scared that I can't do my job. So I'm doing all this weird behavior, you yeah. know, because, you know, I honestly think it's all unconscious. This yeah. is all unconscious behavior. And I feel like I am trying to work on as a leader as such in terms of what I'm doing to like try and communicate even with men in the industry who are acting out sexually to you know even the actors to go you don't have to do that who are you like what's important to you really you know you can drop the mask you know if you're if you're into that then you can play it I don't care you can play that I too but when you stop like shaming people and you go you know let's see what this is It's really interesting that they take the power back and not in a way that harms others people but literally they are heard and they are seen and that's what I want to do with these films like everybody has you know they have their light inside of them and we do not need to take it from anyone you know. And I want to see that. And because when we watch that on TV or film, it's like we we come a, we come away as, di- we come away differently. We give. Well, it ignites the light
0: in the viewer. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think this inability to connect with ourselves creates a, uh, like, it's almost like we're starved for any level of connection. And I think this overly sexualization comes out of that desire to connect. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know how to connect to yourself, then how are you gonna connect to anybody else, Mm -hmm. right? So then we think, oh, sex must be connection Mm -hmm. because it is the representation of connection, right? So therefore, if I sexualize this person, then, we must have connected. If I put out, then maybe there's a connection, right? If uh, if we sleep together on the first date, maybe there's a connection. So there's this over-sexualization, and I think it comes from a place of, I don't like myself, or I, as you say, I have a lot of shame yeah. about who I am yeah. because I feel unworthy, I feel unlovable. And so therefore... I feel like I need to perform mm-hmm. in order to become worthy mm-hmm. and become lovable. But it's it's misguided.
1: The thing what I've seen, too, is there has to be a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I still go to acting class because I, I want to stay in the learning and, mm-hmm. and the training. But I went to a class recently, and again, I had the same experience. Like, I can't do this anymore. Because what I really saw was, again, this thing of, like, me going in without any makeup on, I have makeup on today, right? But a lot of the time, I don't wear makeup. And actually, in my film, Northern Star, which I screened in November, I had no makeup on the film. None of the actors had Do makeup you act on.
2: You acted in all of your, all of your film? Not,
1: not the one at the moment, the one in Ireland I did. Um, when I get funding, I act in it because I don't. I'm not behind the camera. And when I don't have funding, I shoot them anyways. The structure I use is the the New Wave, which was Godard couldn't get any funding, so he said, "We're going to ch- shoot the cheapest film ever made. We're going to shoot it on the streets. We dub it afterwards. Improv." You know, like if you look at the interviews with Godard on mm-hmm. YouTube. And the American news guy, he basically said to him, "So I heard you don't write, you don't work from scripts." And he took out this tiny little book and he said, "Yeah, that's my, I write my ideas down." Mm-hmm. And he would meet with the actors, and that's the way I've done it. Yeah. I would shoot a scene. I start with a scene. This is how I shot this film. I would start with a scene with, let's say, one actor, and I would get a bit of information about them. Then an idea would start to come, and then I would find someone else, and then I would bring them together and shoot a scene. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I hook them up to mics, like, to road mics, and I shoot them because I have a photography and a a visual background. Mm -hmm. I also have an acting background, I I know, you know. So I set up this situation, I go, okay, this is gonna be the story what happens. And then I let it sit, I look at the footage, and then new ideas come, and then, I find another person who comes into us.
2: As you're talking, I mean, I'm loving this because just a few months ago when the new year came, um, we were going, we went on a hike and we were talking about living from inspired action. Mm-hmm. And we were just practicing for the day. Like we would sit and like whatever would come, like we would do. And it was like simple things like washing the dishes to going and watching the sunset. And I'm like, Ellie, I think this is how we're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah and what you're doing is you're creating that environment in filmmaking mm-hmm. you're yeah. you're creating films in that way which filmmaking is the closest kind of mirror to creation right we're creating we're creating whole new characters and whole new worlds when we mm-hmm. when we make films mm-hmm. and i think asen- eventually we need to get to a place where we all start to live from that place mm-hmm. from that space of inspired action but mm-hmm. Our current socioeconomic stat- whatever setup, doesn't really, it, it's so counterintuitive to how we've kind of been raised that what do you mean? You're just, you're just going to like not know what to do like in the next yeah. year? You don't have a five-year life plan? So it's, it's really inspiring. I, I love what you're doing.
1: But you know, I tell you where this film came from. I was with three friends. I was in Berlin. I was like, I don't really want to live in Berlin anymore. I wanted to live in LA for a long time. But I didn't know because I, I pray about it. And it's like, I have this thing of if and doubt, don't. So stay quiet, stay doing the next thing. And then I met this artist. She came to Berlin. She was from L.A. And we were talking and she reminded me of L.A. You know, people will come into your life. There's no way you can hide from your vision
0: no you can't you
1: just can't people will be banging at your doors basically i also a friend of mine yeah you
0: get cornered then you have to do it (laughs) yeah
1: yeah. a friend of mine she's like uh, the head of tv in usc She was there in a sabbatical. She's like, you have to come to L.A. She saw my film. She's like, you have to come to L.A. All these people came into my life who were basically guiding me. And then I know there's this kind of like, this isn't coincidence, you know. And with this film, I was there with this friend and she'd had a negative experience in a relationship with something. And I said to her, you know what? You don't know what that's about. I was like, let's not be anywhere but here. This is where it's at, this moment. Mm-hmm. Let's just be here and have fun. And I was doing a photo shoot with them. I was photographing them for this fashion thing. And I said, let's, and I felt that joy. And I knew that's the path, that mm-hmm. feeling, getting back into that feeling of joy and fun and being connected with people who are also open, who want to have fun. And I said to her, I think I'm going to make a film from this.
0: Do you feel like you are co-directing this with Spirit?
1: Yeah, yeah like as such yeah of course
0: it's like you're co-creating yeah. it right because when you live from that space yeah. of complete surrender that's yeah. that's how you're directing this is exactly. this place of complete surrender you're yeah. listening and then the idea comes and you translate that information into a cohesive idea and then you you go do it this is this is co-creation
1: yeah yeah it's I mean, for me, if I look, like Scorsese talks, religion is huge for him. He mm-hmm. said his, his main focus is religion and are his spiritual practice mm-hmm. and film. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, and I also saw like with other artists, they would talk about yeah. their spirituality. It's the way George O'Keefe was in Santa Fe. It's an incredibly yeah. spiritual place. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was the people who had this spiritual practice or were guided by that, that spiritual journey, there was something in their work that was a spaciousness that like, I mean, that's the erotic, like that's all the things that people try and manufacture. Like, I don't know, like I don't even know how a strip club is, it's the most removed experience (laughs) from, you know what I mean? Because most of them are drunk anyway, they're not even there, you know? But it's like, and I I remember I wrote that when I was really young, Facebook had first come out. And when I look at it now, it's like, there was a foreseen. That wisdom, it's Mm -hmm. always in us. And I wrote this thing and I said, I feel like I'm in the first floor of a 100-story building and I want to rise up. I want to experience all those floors. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading a spiritual text recently. It said something almost line by line the same. So the fact that we think we're not connected, that we're not, this information isn't in us, that you know, we're not connected to our ancestors, we're not connected to each other. I mean, I've had some, you know, even the fact that you're Iranian, like one of my closest friends is Iranian. Like there's there are these connections in language and music and tradition that goes so much deeper than, you know, you speak Farsi and I speak English or you speak, you know, like I come yeah, from... Yeah, my hair is you know? black, you're yeah. blonde
0: or you whatever, know? right?
1: There's There's a much deeper level of connection that goes on. And but definitely I really felt... There's a spaciousness when I'm making these films where I just am like, whatever, I don't care. You know, most of the time I'm giving up. And then it comes,
0: you know. Yeah. And I think there's this thing where that happens in that space of surrender and which is not necessarily that you don't care, but it's that you don't have an attachment. Exactly. That-
1: yeah. 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 I'm
2: like And that spaciousness that you're describing is what allows everything to be mm-hmm. to become to to exist and i think a lot of people are uncomfortable
1: well what's interesting is they all they're all curious right but what happens is their stuff comes up yeah, yeah. like
2: and they're not ready to face it yet yeah
1: so like they might be able to set a boundary and i can see it but i'm not going to take care of them yeah. And so they leave because they're frustrated or they're angry and they can't express it. And I'm not going to do that. You know, the, yeah. the whole film industry is being around like being mommy and daddy to grown adults. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I can't. It's too tiring. And I have a private life. I'm not going to I'm not. I, I do my work, but it's just work, you know, and. I mean, I don't even understand what the red carpet is. I I mean, honestly, (laughs) I don't understand it, you know? I don't understand. Honestly, too. Dress up. Yeah, and I don't understand Botox, and I have to start saying it. Because I'm like, I come to LA, and I see all these people. I'm like, why do they all look the same? (laughs) And the only reason I say it is from a director's point of view, I feel that that person is trapped inside and they can't say who they are because they think if I look good enough and I'm okay on the surface, I'll survive. And for me, just from a point of view of, I don't know what it is, but my feeling is to them is like, who are you? Tell me who you are. And this is in this film, the, the trust film, the LA part, it's come up, the Botox thing has come up. And there was a scene, I shot it last week, and it was so interesting because from being behind the camera, I, because I, of course, have all this insecurity lately. I'm like, I look old, I'm 34, you know, blah, 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 And I look in the camera and I see this discussion going on between two 30-year-olds um, and then this older woman. And they're talking about Botox. And, and what I realize is it has nothing to do with their appearances. It has to do with when women are talking to each other, they that fire is lit up inside of them because they're in conversation and connection. And that's how we are, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they were all, nobody was right, nobody was wrong. It was literally that they got to be with each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the whole Botox thing or whatever it is, is, again, this idea of if I just am okay on the outside, everything will be okay on the inside. And I don't see that. But it's
2: like a glass house. There's like this emptiness and coldness. Yeah.
1: And for men too, I've met male actors who, again, are just all into the managers and the PR and the agent and the 40,000 likes on Instagram. And yet their private life is an absolute wreck. Yeah. Because there's no love. And, and I don't, I I don't put my opinion on anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, no judgment. Like, um, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But, but just from a point of view of caring, and, and just a sense of an intuition. You know, I'm like, I don't want that. It's too dark for me. Mm -hmm. You know, the light comes from that wisdom. It comes from that joy and the love and the self-acceptance. And the actors, honestly, who I work with, who are incredible. Like I have one actress and she said she, in the film, she just has all that. She she has a nose that's like kind of protruding. And she said, there's been so many times I look in the mirror and I I, I cut out my nose. And I imagine what I would be like if I had a perfect nose. And the thing is, she's like, but I'm not going to do it. And... Honestly, when she doesn't alter herself and she lets herself be, what she brings to the camera is just fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language. Mm-hmm. But she's an incredibly gifted actor Yeah, because she shows up as she is. Because yeah. in a good actor, they're just themselves. They're natural. You know, they don't have a mask. You know, that's my experience. Because when I work with actors who are putting on a show, I'm like... This is kind of boring because there's another part of you that's somewhere else in the room and I can't reach you.
2: And yeah. they're not present.
1: They're not emotionally available. And and if we are watching a film where the person's putting on a show.
2: You know it. Yeah. So when are we going to have the opportunity to see this film? Well,
1: I have to go to Athens. I'm going back to Berlin. I'm moving to L.A. So I'm giving up my apartment. And um, then I'm going to Athens for a month to shoot the film in the same way, mm-hmm. which is going to be an interesting test um and then i'm coming back in june and then i'm working on the post-production i'm looking for an editor at the moment again the whole process of the post-production is a whole other surrender Mm -hmm. like finding the right editor who um is also they have to have a spiritual practice because if they don't they're going to cut it uh in a certain way that's telling a certain story
0: well, they have to be vibrationally aligned mm-hmm. with everything that you have been doing, yeah. right? So I think the spiritual practice is a symptom of a certain vibrational signature mm-hmm. that you have. Uh, because you can have a spiritual practice and not really have a deep spiritual practice, yeah. right? There's, there's a lot of people, I think, who are surface level Uh, spirituality and that's fine Mm -hmm. you know everybody is on their own journey Mm -hmm. but i think what uh, is happening here is that you're attracting people to yourself Mm -hmm. who are vibrating at your frequency Mm -hmm. and that's what that editor is going to be because Mm -hmm. you cannot help but to attract Mm -hmm. what you are putting out into the world
1: Mm -hmm. eyes open Mm -hmm. you know like, I just think if we think about it in the 90s, there was that film Eyes Wide Shot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the Tom Cruise movie, yeah. No. Wide it's wide all
1: open. violence and like, sure. I don't trust you and games, and I'm like, eyes wide open.
0: Eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah. Nora, it's been so incredible having you on this show, and uh, you're leaving tomorrow to go back to Berlin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, our friend Layla put you in touch and uh, suggested that you be on the show. We're so glad you could put it into your schedule before you leave because you have such incredible wisdom. And uh, we talk a lot about living from an inspired place. Mm -hmm. And you're not just living from an inspired place, but you're making film Mm -hmm. from an inspired place, which is one of the most difficult things you could be doing. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait to see that. So, where can we see your first film okay. and how can we follow your journey along? Mm-hmm. Are you posting on social media?
1: Yeah, so uh, I have an Instagram account and it's Groundless Films. So it's G R. So it comes from Pema thing of groundlessness groundless, G R O U N D L E S S. Groundless. Yeah. And films, and that's Instagram. And there's also Nora Denine Artist. And I have a, a little, it's only like those Instagram trailers are like, I don't know, 30 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. But I also have a trailer. I have a website as well, www.noradeneen.com. Um, and you can see a trailer for Northern Star, the film I screened in November. And I'm actually setting up at the moment. Um, I'm basically trying to start screening it in L.A since I've come here so I've I've uh, submitted it to the Egyptian theater they have a women's program and I have a friend recently who has a theater and I'm talking with him about screening it there um and then I I'm guessing just from experience with the trusting it'll be wrapped up the shooting at the end of June I'm hoping by the end of the year it'll be finished and then I'll be starting. So if there's any producers out there who are hungry and, you know, you you feel connected to what I'm saying mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, start to work on the distribution and and you're, you know, have experience with festivals and all this, please get in contact with me. You can get in contact with me through my website www.noradinning.com.
0: Any last words advice for somebody who is Terrified of surrendering Um, (laughs) and thinking about Botox. (laughs) Botox?
1: I think you know, if if you're thinking about Botox, (laughs) sit through the discomfort of the self hate that you think you have to do it. Whenever I've had a gun to my head, feeling I have to do it, I'm gonna die if I don't do this, those are moments of transformation. Yeah, because you face beautifully said, I've faced these moments where I was like. Oh, I'm fat. And it was always my fear. And once I faced that fear, I realized people love me anyway. Mm, yeah. That's the illusion, you see. The illusion is is that once I get the Botox, people will like me more. But what happens is is when you sit with the discomfort and you actually talk to people who you love and you actually listen to what they say, they, most of the time they love you not for anything other than who you are.
2: Yeah, when you look at a child, they don't say, oh, you know, you have... 10 wrinkles on your face they just love you for who you are
1: there's a depth you know there's a river that goes deep within us and that's where love is i think life is constantly presenting you with opportunities to give up Mm -hmm. and most of the time people think they should do the right thing there's a sense of duty and i think i don't know how to describe it but when you start showing up for yourself you will fail other people Mm -hmm. but in the long term It's the Buddha story, right? Mm -hmm. The Buddha, the father wanted him to be the king. And he said, I can't. And he had to sit there for days and his father wouldn't give him permission. He said, I need to do this. He left his wife. He left his child. Everything that you're not supposed to do. But he had this inner calling that he knew he was not at ease and he had to follow this inner voice that told him he had to go out into the woods. Yeah. And he brought so much to the world as a result. I could feel goose pimples as I say this. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I'm not, you know, it is about film and it's not about film. You know, I love art, but art almost killed me from the drive to be successful, mm-hmm. to be someone important, to be loved. All these things that I thought because I didn't feel good enough in myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in all honesty, it's like through living, living has taught me that there is these kind of universal laws and when I live by them and I live by spiritual principles and, and I put like not doing what I've always done first, I have a new experience. Mm. I can't have experiences through buying or selling or any of this stuff. I have it through being in the moment and going, what if there's something else here that I'm not seeing? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, when I get into a relationship with someone, I realize I don't even see this person. I just see someone who I want to be a husband or have a father of, you know, children with or does he have money. I don't even see this person's inherent worth. I don't even care about them. Like when I hit those kind of bottoms, I realize, like, I don't want to live like this. And my films are all about that. They're all about people hitting these bottoms Mm -hmm. in relationship to each other you know, and all of our vulnerabilities, all the ways we screw up, and all the ways that when we screw up, actually, we're being honest for the first time. Mm -hmm. I promise you this, if you're in any way honest today, you're gonna have a better experience. Even if you say, I'm tired, I don't like my job. You know, my boss is doing this. It's Mm -hmm. honest.
0: Well said, great advice. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. So if you want to uh, follow Nora's journey, check her out, her website, noradeneen.com and uh, on Instagram, groundlessfilms. And we can't wait to see your new film. When it comes out, please let us know and we will share it on our website, peaceunleashed.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, check out peaceunleashed. And that's where we share love notes with you every single day. So if you have a tendency of forgetting how perfect and beautiful and amazing you are, follow Peace Unleashed on Instagram and we'll remind you that's what we do. And thanks so much again for being with us uh, for Unleash Your Peace, the podcast that takes you inward. And until next time, we wish you a peace-filled day.